Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. I'm here with Amy from Lucy Fund, Matt Smith, CEO of Startup Britain, and Max Yoshida, researcher of the UK Senate Entrepreneurship. So guys, how are you doing? Very good. Very good, thank you. Yeah, so tell us a little more about Brexit. How it affect you guys, do you think? So, uh, in Britain, obviously, uh, still uh, elements of uncertainty. We, we won't know what impact it will have until we start triggering Article 50 and going through the negotiations. Uh, I think from the large firm perspective, they have obviously, from the banking side, started to take some precautions and explore other options, but everyone seems fairly confident that London will remain a financial kind of centre of, of Europe, if not the world, uh, for the next few years and beyond. Uh, the startup scene, again, still going strong. The fundamentals are here. We've got the talent, we've got the investment uh, and the finance, um, and we've got the growing businesses. So everyone's a little uncertain, but uh, you know, London and, and the country keeps going. So you think it's going to be a major issue with like banks moving here? I don't think so. I, I think you know there are core functions of the banking sector that cannot be moved, and you know London uh, will remain strong. Elements may move, but uh, I think as a whole, the financial industry will will stick around in London, and therefore the startups and particularly the fintechs will stick around as well. What's your view of happening? Well, from an Irish view yeah. on Brexit, I I think between. Every eight years, there's pretty much a downturn. Yeah. You know, if you go back over the last century, the 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 roles of economics would turn it out. And I think for Ireland, we have a couple of very negative things coming at us. Brexit is not great for us. Of any European country that's likely to be affected, Ireland's the one that's probably going to be affected the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you throw Trump in on top of that as well. He's probably going to go after our beloved corporation tax rate. Yeah. And, and I would say there's a few economic clouds on the horizon for Ireland on it. I think we'll pick up some banking jobs. I think finance is probably one of the industries in Britain that's going to be worst affected because you can't sell finance into the European Union. You have to be yeah. in it. Um, I actually think technology is probably not going to be that affected. Um, I think there's a very... The, the government investment schemes in Britain are so good. I think you'll see more and more European startups chase SEIS funding over yeah. there and EIS. So I, I don't think the tech's going to be that affected, but I think finance is, will be crucified. And yeah. I think the Irish economy is one of the ones at most risk in the world. Because we're so open and because we're so connected to the US and the UK, trouble. Well, I think that because the UK companies, a lot of companies in the UK from Europe or America have a HQ in the UK. So I think like Sony, for example, everything's said here is south in the UK. So the UK is outside the EU, that can affect us as well. Yeah, it could. I mean, you know, it's funny. There's there's different models, you know. I mean, yeah. we Dublin has really won the competition for being the European HQ for um, for these the Silicon Valley companies coming yeah. over. It's really good. What I've actually started to see recently is a glut of Chinese investors coming into Ireland because what they were doing in the past is they were going to Britain and they were investing in order to get a visa. Yeah. And now they don't want a British visa because it doesn't get you the rights in the rest of Europe. And we've seen a decent chunk of Chinese investors coming to Ireland now looking to, to 
get Irish visas, which is a good opportunity for Irish companies. But you may be starting to see some corporation tax competition as one of the ideas put forward by uh, the the Prime Minister in Britain is that if we may not secure the necessary deal that we wish for, is we may just slash corporation down to 10%. Yeah, and you see, I, but you see, I think if Trump moves corporation tax and Britain moves it, I think <laughs> Ireland will do it as well. But the funny thing is, is, if you ever talk to the Department of Finance here, they're not too fussed about corporation tax. It's a small cut of our take. What we're really interested in is creating jobs in the country. And I, I'd have no problem dropping the corporation tax again. Yeah. I mean, the, the benefits and the things Ireland need to get to push is we're now the only native-speaking, um, or we will be the only native-speaking English-speaking country in, in the European Union. And that's a good opportunity. You know, when you look at so much of world trade is conducted in English now, um, I see great opportunities. And I actually think, I think it, it's opened up China to Ireland. There's yeah. 320 million people in China looking to learn English. And now they have an opportunity to come to a native English-speaking country, learn here, and do business here that can stretch into their. Well, sadly, in the EU, right now, English no longer a country, a, a language that exists as such because Irish is the Irish language. So we gave that language. So we have to get <laughs> if we can get around that that kind of slight issue. Yeah, but I I don't think that's an issue. I mean, look, the English stand is one of our our formal yeah. languages. I don't think that's that's not going to be an issue. I don't think we'll ever be trading too much in Irish anyway. Yeah. You know. Um, I think we might struggle with that ourselves, never mind any foreign people. Um, the, no, I think I think the technology industry in Ireland will only get stronger and stronger. I think one of the things that Silicon Valley companies like to do is they like when they set up somewhere to know they can take other employees who've worked in Silicon Valley companies. And we've reached a kind of a critical mass here now where if I'm the next unicorn coming out of there and I need a European headquarters, I know I can come in here and get myself a good HR director or sales director who's worked for one of the, yeah, the other ones already. I think we've reached that critical mass. I think the, the cost of rent and the cost of wages versus London is a lot better here. So I think, I think we do all right in that regard. I think our new flow is basically a working from premises. Right now, we've got a problem with that. Yeah, but you want to go to London. Yeah. There's a lot worse in London. <laughs> and, um, yeah, true. Yeah, well, I mean, London particularly is facing some challenges, but it, it is actually forcing entrepreneurs out of London into other cities. So Manchester has had a good kind of crowd of entrepreneurs for many many years, but that's starting to really kind of reach critical mass at the moment. Newcastle, again, has been doing wonderful work, but far enough away that most people in London don't really notice what's going on. They have started to celebrate more and see more successes coming out. Birmingham has kind of caught up. I think Manchester kind of jumped ahead of them a bit. But yeah, you are seeing entrepreneurs pushed out of Shoreditch into elsewhere in London and then elsewhere in the country. And it's actually one of the more interesting findings from research we did on angel investors recently was the fact that more angel investors are are happy to travel further and further to meet their companies. So they're not just looking within their home region, their hometown or city, they're they're investing across the country. I guess it's going to make sure where you can get there as well. (coughs) You can't travel there, what's the point? (coughs) Yeah, I mean, there's... um, I think... You are starting to see kind of uh, certainly healthier angel networks in different towns and cities as well, um, but certainly the the kind of crowd in London are venturing out and, and seeing the rest of the country as well. It's it's quite a couple of things that I would notice difference between Britain and Ireland as well is in Ireland most of our incubators and accelerators, in fact nearly all of them, yeah. are government funded. 
So there's a kind of an Enterprise Ireland agenda pushing a lot yeah. of them. In Britain, it's a lot more <laughs> private stuff. Like Barclays Bank have done an incredible amount of work around the UK on it. And you've seen a lot of examples of that. And then co-working space as well. Mm-hmm. We really don't do co-working in this country well yet. We've got the likes of Dog Patch. But in comparison to Manchester and yeah. London, where yeah. there's so much more choice and availability, you struggle to get those kind of office spaces here. I mean, from the incubator and accelerator perspective, you've got uh, RBS, NatWest. Yeah. They have been converting their regional offices into accelerators. So they now have 13 accelerators uh, across the country. Every six months, they're taking on a cohort of 60 to 80 entrepreneurs. They're giving them a year of mentoring equity free uh, so they're taking in what's 950 or so entrepreneurs every six months to give them free training Barclays opening up their spaces actually much like Bank of Ireland um, yeah. and getting entrepreneurs through the doors just to use their space I believe RBS is one as a 2,000 person space they're new they have a new office opening in London yeah. at the moment you know I mean which would be more than all the co-working desks in Ireland combined yeah. pretty much that's pretty impressive yeah. and WeWork is uh, taking over yes. London as it is the rest of yeah. the, the, the world so actually the largest one in London now they have Something crazy like eight stories and three thousand desks in one location. Yeah, because yeah. I'm in Ireland, got like Bank of Ireland with their hubs in Cork, Limerick, Galway, in Dublin, and also Bank are involved in Dublin Labs. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, and no Bank. Of, I'd have to say Bank of Ireland have had had a good strategy. It's an interesting strategy. They do a certain number of programs. They have yeah. to, you know, they have support programs. It's more about space for them, and uh, it's just. It, it's not even the scale because obviously yeah. Britain should have a bigger scale mm-hmm. which is fine it's probably more the consistency of putting those supports around it I think that's an area that we struggle greatly with the other thing they've got a lot more in Britain as well and other countries like Germany for example is corporate accelerators like it fascinated me recently to see in Berlin that they had 80 corporate accelerators you know, yeah. so the likes of Daimler and BMW and these guys supporting early stage innovation. We we don't like we've Mastercard here. Yeah. We've um, you know the likes of Citibank have an innovation lab here, but it's it's even Citibank stuff. A lot of that's internal. Yeah. So right there as well. Exactly. You know. It's all internal. Exactly. Whereas I don't. I think we'll struggle with that. Yeah. And I'd have to say the biggest struggle for Ireland versus Britain on it is the ability to gain access to investment. You know, right now in Ireland, people queue up to ask a civil servant in Enterprise Ireland, can I be an entrepreneur? In Britain, they have the amazing SEIS and EIS investment schemes. And I, I don't know if you have statistics, but I assume it's just growing and growing all the time. It's nearly exponential. I, mean, the, I think perhaps 82 million uh, through SEIS. And I think both, both in terms of amount of money raised and... Um, Number of loans, it's uh, not loans, sorry, in terms of the yeah, investments, doubled the heck on both measures yeah. in just a few years. Yeah. So. They've, also, they've also done really well there in crowdfunding. Yeah. So the likes of Crowdcube mm-hmm. have, have really pushed on. And they're not just even doing investment, they're doing a lot of kind of mezzanine finance stuff as well. Yeah, so I mean, uh, Cedars was the very first company in the world to be regulated by a financial regulator to do equity crowdfunding. Um, and the hand-holding process from taking money in escrow from the investors and handing it directly over to the entrepreneur and making that process very simple. Um, I think it, the financial service regulator has been very good at listening to entrepreneurs and actually creating sandbox environments to test out 
business models in safe environments before actually regulating to allow it to uh, operate openly with the public. Uh, and that's why we've seen Britain take the lead globally on equity investments and crowdfunding, uh, whereas uh, SEC in America, I think, delayed implementation of their policy, uh, I think, seven years from the first conversation of let's do this yeah. to actually signing it off and letting the likes of Cedars go in. So actually what you've, you've got is the London-based equity crowdfunding alternative finance sector now eventually uh, kind of plowing their way into America now that they've caught up with the policy. One of the funny things with that, right, is because of that, the, the British model where you have the Crowdcube and Cedars has grown up around a couple of companies who were innovators. In the US now, what we're seeing is a glut of websites yeah. that all now want to be the one to replicate it, which actually makes it a bit more difficult for the startups because they're kind of wondering which sites am I going to promote myself on because there's not really as much market dominance and it's actually it's useful in crowdfunding if you can have some kind of market dominance because yeah. it means I only need to pick one of them yeah. and I can go and get access to a lot like I don't know I think Crowdcube would have a mail list they have about a quarter of a million investors at this stage or Cedars is the same I'd imagine uh, it's a very close competition between Cedars and Crowdcube yeah. as to the kind of amount raised number of businesses raised uh, raised through the platform but they're the, the two primary ones. Yeah. And I guess they're more like in Ireland, follow that basic red tape, because it's government funding more or less. Yeah. And it takes time to get the money in place and everything else, and you go through one subscription and then somebody else in three departments for the occasion. Or they give you funding for a certain thing and you get the money. And once you've got the money, you say, go, go and say you've got funding. Mm. And then you get funding, you go and tell somebody, I've got money, bring me, bring me a website. And of course, the guys build it, know you've got money, and they will charge you to know for it because I know what you've got. Mm. Which might be isn't right either. You should have somebody you can go to that'll give you a reasonable price. Well, in Britain, I think we, we've been lucky to have uh, a government for six years that is very pro-business, pro-entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, a lot of things were executed in the kind of 2010 to 2012 era to sweep away a lot of regulation, put in place these tax breaks and incentives that unlocked the private investments. And off the back of it, we have seen the investment skyrocket, the accelerators, co-working spaces skyrocket, yeah. and uh, hopefully, number of unicorns and uh, successful multi-billion-pound businesses. Over here in Ireland, that doesn't happen at all. If you're a startup, that's it. You're on your own. Well, what's happened in Ireland is a, the, the the best of the best that had a tendency to bypass the Irish Enterprise yeah. Ireland-based system. You know, Fleetmatics. Uh, Intercom, Stripe, these type of guys, they, they've gone around it rather than well, embrace it. Whereas when you have a tax incentive based yeah. scheme in Britain, and the two of them are complete opposites in the strategies that the governments have taken, you're finding that they're very, you know, uh, it's a, I, I, I feel the British model is something the Irish can learn a lot from. Well, look at Stripe, they went to America to make it big in Intercom as well. Because yeah. Stripe, I knew, that, I met them two years ago when the guy Patrick was telling me. You couldn't do it in Ireland because no. nobody would believe, even though they've already done something successful, so no one believed in it. Yeah. And in America, they'll give you more of a chance. And in Ireland, if you get more of a chance of, of getting that opportunity and also go more up the UK based system, you have more chance of getting uh, good startups. Can yeah. we uh, can we wind it up there, guys? Yeah. If that's okay. That's yeah. Yeah, we've got to get over to Great, thanks. <laughs>